songwriters been to sing some of those songs again for me it was the the first time this year to do so got some news for you though right now um i'm not prepared to preach this evening but i have someone else who's prepared to preach because i'm not going to just not have someone prepared to preach but i knew uh being gone i'd see my family and to be a part of my dad's funeral that I, I wouldn't have time to prepare for tonight adequately. I could have prepared today, but other stuff in the office to get caught up on and even even, even pre preparing for this next Sunday. Uh, so I asked Brother Bill Brandhorst to uh, speak this evening. He also, I also had asked him to preach Sunday night, and he did, and I appreciate him uh, doing so. And uh, so we look forward to hearing what Brother Bill has to say tonight. Brother Bill, come on down. I, I, I mean, um, just like just like they do in the Price is Right. right? We got to we got to get you on on down here. Uh, so I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you filling the pulpit on Sunday night and this evening. As thank you, Pastor. Just so I don't get too long winded. I do have a timer running. <laughs> well, uh, welcome tonight. Welcome to Mineral Heights Baptist Church. We're proud to have you both here and those online and those listening via Spotify. Thank you very much. We appreciate you being here. Basically, uh, this jumps around a little bit, but... Uh, it's based in Psalms uh, 47, verse 8. Uh, I'll be jumping around, but uh, the title of this is uh, Our God Reigns. You know, Our God Reigns, it's a, it's a monumental and most important part of the truth. It's really that it's a thing that changes everything. When you wake up in the morning, you don't wake up to a world that is void of purpose. no. Our God reigns. When you go throughout the day, there are no accidental conversations or in reactions. Why? Our God reigns. When you go to bed at night after a full day of turmoil and seeing sin paraded in the country on the news and hearing sin praised in your workplace and knowing the sin that you've committed yourself, you do not go to bed without hope. Again, our God reigns. How that reality alters a Christian's perspective on everything that takes place in the world. When there's a tragedy such as a young child dies or someone you love dies, where there's political upheaval that's taking place and there's confusion is everywhere, when a virus runs the world over and lockdown policies, when the stock market is a roller coaster, where the family problems taking place, where the disunity in the church and the midst of it all are God reigns. And if our God range, reigns, which he does, then what I will show you from God's word is that the reality of this, this is the rock of Christian conviction. In our day, Christian conviction is something we need more of, because after all, we live in a world full of convictions. The world is full of strong convictions. The world's convictions range from men claiming to be women, women claiming to be men, there's conviction that marriage can be between two men or two women. There's conviction that our world is systemically racist. There's that a child in the womb is a choice and not a person. The list goes on. 
We live in a world where gaslighting occurs on major news networks, where morality is seen as subjective and changeable, where truth is based on one's perspective and not on an objective fact. We live in a world that is sought to remove God from our schools, our government, and our homes, except using his name as a curse word. or an explanation point. In fact, OMG is a very common term used on the internet, which bothers me. The question that rises to the surface is, does the world have more conviction over its sinful causes than we do for Jesus Christ and his word? Is the world more passionate about seeking the fabric which gender is that we are about proclaiming the truth that God made them male and female? Is the world more passionate about proclaiming that marriage is a union between any group of people regardless of gender than we are about proclaiming what marriage truly is, the union of one man and one woman under God? Is the world more concerned with murdering children than we are with saving them? Is the world more convicted, concerned with seeking to convince you that you're crazy than we are with establishing the facts? Is the world more excited about living for sin than we are about displaying righteousness? Is the world more concerned about promoting all sorts of false religions and means of salvation than we are with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If anything, our conviction should be indefinitely stronger than that world because once again, our God reigns. My hope is that you'll be freed and liberated to live unashamedly for Jesus Christ in this world because our God reigns. To do so, let's look from God's words and see he does reigns from Psalms, and then we'll see the effect that really should have upon a believing soul. In Psalms, Psalm 47 is written by the sons of Korah, as a call to Israel to worship in the light of comfort that they have in knowing who their God is. In Psalms 47, 8, it reads, God reigneth over the heathen, God sitteth upon the earth of his holiness. There are few things more comforting than that verse right there. The fact that God reigns is something that we should not forget, but it's something we forget to live under. What does that look like? It looks like being anxious about the future. It looks about being in a place where you wonder if the world can truly be restored. The solution to those situations are found in this verse. God reigns over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. God has not been defeated. His ways are not thwarted. God isn't unable. God isn't unworthy. God certainly isn't dead and God reigns on his throne. In Daniel 3, the knowledge of God's rule motivates the faithfulness of his people and the threat of certain death. As you recall, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, built a statue of himself and called everyone to bow down to it when they heard the sound of music, or it was a threat of certain death for those that didn't. But not everyone bowed down. In Daniel 3, 8 verses 8 through 12, wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews 
they spake and said to King, ne uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And who shall fall not down and worship it, that he shall be cast in the midst of a fiery furnace. There are certain Jews of whom thou hast over the affairs of a province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve their gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Three men out of likely, likely hundreds refused to bow down to this idol. At which point Nebuchadnezzar gives them one more chance and asks this question in Daniel 3:15. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast a same hour into the midst of a burnery furnace, burning fiery furnace. And whose God is it that shall deliver you out of my hands? You know what he's really asking there? Is there a God who reigns? Is there any God that can stop me? Who knows the answer? He, we know that answer, and he will soon. They answered starting at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now pause there just for a moment. Do you see, do you feel any timidness or scaredness from those people from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you see any fear from them in that statement? No. This is a man, they're talking to a man that has life and death in his power. But do they seem frightened? No, they seem freed. They seem liberated to speak boldly. Either they are crazy are they of men of sound conviction? What a wonderful response. That's a courage and godly conviction, if I've ever seen it. But they go on in verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image, which thou hast set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are truly saying, Our God, he can save us. That's no big thing. They know God is all-powerful. He rules over the nations. Here's a lesson. Their faithfulness to the Lord wasn't determined upon whether they would live or die. It was based and founded upon who their God is. He is the God who reigns, and they knew it. Nebuchadnezzar throw them, throws them into a furnace in verses 24 and 26. And the mind of this furnace is seven times hotter than it's ever been before. In fact, when they threw... Uh, uh, the three men in there, it killed the two soldiers that were throwing them in there. The heat was so hot that the two soldiers were killed. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king, after being thrown into the furnace, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. First of all, there was nothing wrong with them when they came out of the fire. They didn't even smell like they had been in a fire. Remember that what Nebuchadnezzar just questioned? What God is there that can save you out of my hands? Answer, the most high God who reigns. He can. That's who can do it. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do after all the lessons he received from God? Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel 4, verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, Who doest thou? What a moment of realization. God reigns, and all he says will come to pass, always. With this knowledge, Christians do not need to be anxious or, rel or re uh, regardless of what is in the news and what takes place in our own lives. The information should fill you with, to the brim with courage because God reigns. You can be a man or a woman of conviction. Because God reigns, you should rest firmly upon the truth of God's word and boldly declare that all might fear the true God. Don't be disillusioned. This conviction that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego isn't just for the super Christian. It isn't for the super believer. This is ordinary yet extraordinary work of grace in the heart of one that loves Jesus Christ. This is what happens as your heart is saturated with the reminder of Psalms 47, 8. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew what was who was really in charge, and that freed them to live without fear. They weren't worried about what would happen. No, they rested soundly on the hands of God's providence. There's a woman noted in Proverbs 31, verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she'll she shall rejoice in time to come. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They smiled at the future because they know who holds the future in their hands. God reigns over Babylon. God reigns over Nebuchadnezzar. Neither are outside of his power or control. To bring things closer to home, God reigns over America. God reigns over Joe Biden. Neither are outside of his power or control. God reigns over your co-workers, your neighbors, and the person that he puts in your path, in the mall, or on the trail, or wherever it might be. He reigns over the person that is hostile towards you and your faith, and the one who is not. The same truth that compelled David when looking at Goliath, who stood much taller than him, not to run away, but as 1 Samuel 17, 48 says, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. How could David, the youngest and smallest of Jesse's son, run out to battle with a seasoned giant war vet like Goliath? It's because he knew that God reigns. David reigns not in the outward appearance of the battle, but rather in the fact that God reigns. There is a freedom in this truth 
Our God reigns because God reigns. You are truly freed up in this life to live unashamedly for Jesus Christ. What's the worst thing that can happen to you in this word? world? That you die, then you go to heaven. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for to, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Death is gain for the believer as we enjoy Christ for eternity. The worst thing that could happen to you losing your family as Job did, Jesus says in Matthew 19.29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive 100 times as much and will inherit eternal life in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. Where I am, there you may be also. Is the worst thing to, to you is to have your name slandered? God says in Isaiah 56, 5, Even unto them I will give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Is the worst possible thing you lose in your job? Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, 25, verse, excuse me, uh, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, or what you shall put on. Is it life more than meat? Is the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet heavenly, the heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you much better than they? Which of you, by taking a thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take you up thought of raiment? Because the lilies of the, lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arraigned like one of these. Wherefore, if, I, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, then how much more shall he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherefore shall we be clothed? For all these things are as the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have needs of these things. But first seek ye the first kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. So the answer to all those questions is no. The worst thing for a Christian in life is not, to see, is not seeing the things that God has given to you that he might take away, referring to the book of Job, verses 121. The worst thing for a, question, a Christian is to be unfaithful to the Lord who, he, who reigns. That's why the martyrs are willing to lay down their lives. It is more important to die and to be faithful to the Lord than to not do deny him and have a few more years in this life. That is but a mist that vanishes. Death leads to heaven. Persecution makes us like Jesus. Loss of property reminds us of our future inheritance. Loss of family reminds us of our brothers and sisters in Christ. All is yours in Christ. This is not a call for you to be a martyr. 
This isn't a call for you to live haphazardly. Rather, this is a call to be a man or woman of conviction, standing firm in the truths of God's word in a generation that laughs at his name. To be clear, we're not rebel rousers. We are to live tranquil and quiet lives according to 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, I exhort, therefore, I exhort thee, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Let's look at this as an example. When Peter and John were arrested and stood before the authorities in Acts 4, verses 8 through 12, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if it we this day be examined for the good deed done to an impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders." which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. These men were not rabble-rousers, but they preached the message of truth and corrected false understanding of the Jewish leaders in a direct manner. Afterward, they commanded them not to speak about Jesus. Were they more concerned about procuring their lives or reputations before men? Or were they free because God reigns? Were they men of conviction with sturdy backbones willing to speak the truth to a world of opposition? In Acts 4, verse 18 through 20, And they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot speak, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When we stand bravely in God's word, we, de we do so amid this generation where it seems there's more and more persecution for those that do such. And there'll be likely more in the future. But remember, in these moments, our God reigns. What can men do to you? Jesus taught in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Conviction should have the most conviction of any group in the world. We are the only ones who are following the true God who cannot lie. We have nothing to do, nothing to lose in this world, and that should keep us from being faithful to the Lord. We should be a people who are unashamed because our God reigns. We have seen that God reign does reign. He made us all, made all things. We have seen this in the example of just small sample of believers throughout history, that they lived unashamedly for Christ. My encouragement to you is that if the world tries to silence God and you've for speaking about him. Do not forget that God, the God who you serve, he is a God who can preserve the burning, 
preserve you from the burning furnace. And even if he doesn't, he's worth being faithful to even in the end. He is the God who can shut the mouth of lions. He is the God who deserves the voice of the people. And we should be those that seek his approval. Not the approval of the world, where you have an opportunity to speak about the truth of God's word, that lives might be preserved, you, you, uh, unity might be achieved, and truth might be upheld, then do it. The world desperately needs Christians who will speak the truth that they believe. After all, isn't that what our Savior did when he was on earth? Listen to the freedom that Paul speaks of in Romans 8, 31 through 39. Ye, what shall we say to these things? If God be with us, who be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him into us, and how he shall not, and how he not with us also freely giving all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather than riseth again, who is even the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession to us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl of the sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accountable to sleep, I mean, as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in all things that we are more conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of, love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord." Let those words refresh your soul. Be comforted in remembering that God reigns from his throne and that we, as his people, can live unashamed for him in the here and now. Basically, I wrote this to myself because I was watching the news one day and I was terribly disillusioned. Uh, I was looking at all the troubles of the world Paul says, do not look at things on the ground. I'm paraphrasing. Do not look at things on the ground. Look at things afar off. So basically, I was looking at things on the ground and not afar off. I wasn't looking at the, pro at the promises of God. I wasn't realizing that God reigns. He truly reigns. And when you know that, whatever happens in this world does not matter. Not one bit. Thank you very much.